We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, but today doesn't feel that way. We are divided in more ways than one, and the media and the powers that be all have their own agenda. The people of this great nation no longer care about the truth, they only care about the side they are on. At Poor360, I am trying to change that. We're bringing you the facts and history so we can all learn something and make our own decisions. Tune in every Tuesday to be a part of that journey. Following, following the following is a journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. Went forward in time to view alternate futures, to see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict. How many did you see? Fourteen million six hundred and five. How many did we win? and gentlemen, you are listening to Journey Into Comics, the podcast that's dedicated to everything nerd. With your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips, and introducing his new co-host, Tyler McLaughlin. You should have gone for the head. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey Into Comics. This is Journey Into Comics 267. I am your host, Nate. Today, joining me, welcome back yet again, the greatest gift to podcasting. <laughs> Jesus! Is this is your intro of me going to get like more and more grandiose like every week? I think so. That's That's the whole point of this. Welcome back, king of all podcast co-hosts, lord almighty of podcasters, Tyler. I am uh, the messiah of podcasting, and I'm, he- oh, I'm, he- oh, I'm yeah. here to soothe and elevate your, your ears and your brain meats and really just pretend I know what I'm talking about for a couple hours, and, and uh, I'm a false messiah, truthfully. Oh, Boo Earns. I think you I think you have I th- that was super anticlimactic. I was like, oh my god, he's the Messiah of Podcasting. I could see it now. Journey into Comics 267, the Messiah of Podcasting, you know? And then you just like <laughs> drove that one right down the toilet. Well, any any true ma- like like if I said I was the Messiah of Podcasting, I would I would be like like I just picture myself like standing up on a podium. Like a red skull talking to Hydra, like I am Hydra. I am, you know, basic not not like Hitler, because I mean, obviously that's what Red Skull was was modeled to kind of emulate, you know, like the Fuhrer. Um, totally. But like, I obviously don't want to make any comparisons uh, for myself to to Hitler, because you know, obviously one of the worst human beings to ever exist. But like, imagine just for a moment. If Red Skull was not a Hydra agent and he was someone that was helping the Avengers or, you know, any other uh, good aligned superhero organization, you know, in the history of Marvel Comics, Red, sure. Red Skull would be a hell of an asset for anyone, for any team, any organization, whether it's S.H.I.E.L.D., S.W.O.R.D., you know, Throw any any single one of them out there, and Red Skull would be a hell of an asset. Um, I just bullshit my way through it, man. 
and scene. <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, I don't think you bullshit your way through it. I think like, like I was kind of getting to initially, you you are the king of strong opinions, but you have a way to understand what other people's viewpoints are and, and almost reflect and change people's viewpoints just by pointing out, well, yeah, but if you look at it just with this slight altered lens that I just heard your story in, this is how you feel. And I'm like, oh, shit, he's got me there. Well, I like I feel like one of our just overall as a as a society, as a people, you know, cultural differences aside, like one of the biggest things that we lack is insight into other people's plight. And 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 that, that's like, you know, we ended the show last week talking about the um you know the the polyamorous relationship that they're setting up in X Men number one. Um, that's realistically always been there, but we've never we've always looked at it as a like um, a love triangle where there's conflict, and and now that relationship is being set up to where, with a little bit more insight, we realize that those characters have at some point you know, in, in this, this new dawn of X-Men realize that they're realistically just family and there's no reason to have conflict and, and everybody can just be, you know, a family. That's one of the things, you know, while we've been talking about House of X, Powers of X, you know, the relaunch or the, not necessarily the rebranding, but the revival of X-Men as it were, um, is so striking to me with, with everything that's Krakoa related you know, it's we are a united species. We are inherently different than human beings, and the human beings will not acknowledge that we were, are equal to them in every way, but we are also superior to them uh, in almost every way. And because of the way that they think of us, we have to... We really have to flex our superiority, otherwise they're never going to let us exist. And with exactly, if we don't offer a power play, which ultimately it's so strange to think back of our our first coverage of spoiler alert. Side note, Tyler, I need to let our audience know today we are strictly focusing on the House of X and Powers of mm-hmm. X. Four will probably tangent throughout here, and and you'll hear us say a whole lot of different weird things. But I just want to make sure people know that that is our main coverage day. But one thing we've learned in this story so far is that Charles Xavier really does make that power play that you're talking about. He says, look, I can use these plants to help change human society for the better, Mm -hmm. get rid of disease, change the memory, all these things. But you're going to give me my actual piece of pie that I'm due. Right. And as we've been seeing all the ways that this has unfolded and then kind of scratch and claw their way through this story, you you do find that the mutants have realized unity comes first. Absolutely. If they are united, they will stand against any threat. Mm-hmm. And they prove it time and time again. I think this story, especially considering spoiler alert to this point of our coverage, I've actually finished it. So I know how it ends. I know what's happening and I know what's coming. Um, but I just think that this story does a really great job and we'll, and we'll continue to go through it of, of setting up a world that's believable that you could be almost like, man, that could be us as earth. Mm-hmm. 
if we just got our shit together a little bit, well, you know? And especially, too, like, as we've we've talked a lot um, up and as far as the series goes up until this point about how we're seeing a little bit different perspective uh, of Magneto. We're seeing a little bit different perspective uh, from Charles Xavier's point of view. And I think the theme, at least for... Uh, the first four issues, if you really just want to narrow it down to those two characters, is the changes that they have made just across the board in their philosophy, in the way that they carry themselves, and the things that they say, and the, and, and the lengths at which they're willing to go, it's all a desperation move. Because you, you put it perfectly when you said, Charles finally made the power play. I will give you... I, I'm sorry... We will give you these these incredible gifts to basically leave us the fuck alone. And I know that even after I give them to you, you're not going to leave us alone, but I'm going to do it anyway. Just humor me. Let us... I mean, it's it's almost like, you know, at least at least for... This series, I feel like, you know, I, I, I joked around about being the Messiah and stuff at the beginning of the show. I feel like Charles Xavier is Moses trying to lead the Israelites out of Egypt at this point. He's got to for their survival. Yeah, I mean, he l- let my people go because, you know, even though the mutants are superior in almost every way, you know... We we could talk ad nauseum about all the ways, and it, it, just in this series, how how mutants are superior to Homo sapiens, um, but they just want to be left the fuck alone, man. They they want to coexist with humanity, and humanity will not let them do it. So now Xavier and Magneto, you know, the two most powerful figures as far as faces go in the entire mutant kind. They're ready to make some power plays, and they're going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. Well, and I think that the really interesting thing about that is is that they again know that if they don't do everything, if they don't leave it out on the table, they've already lost. And I think that one thing this book does a really good job of is continuously reminding you that while Charles makes this power play, we see into the future throughout the series. Mm-hmm. Of this did not change a fucking thing. They still came after the mutants. There were still Nimrods created. There were still Mother Molds created. There were still all these other things and all these other capacities trying to take out mutants. Right. And will they, can they ultimately overcome it in every reality? And that is, it's a very daunting task when you think about how much... Uh, Jonathan Hickman and Marvel is like kind of in the play box of X-Men going, okay, we're, we're scrapping this idea. We're going to make this idea mean a lot more now and be way more poignant. This character that doesn't really hold a lot of weight in the series will pull her in and make her like the biggest, most important character in the rebirth of our entire series. Like everything they're doing is so risky, but I really think it is paying off. And I, I totally agree, especially, you know, we've, we've talked kind of here or there about how... Uh, you know, the changes between Xavier and Magneto. But one of the biggest ones besides Moira McTaggart is Apocalypse. We have seen, at this point in the series, we have seen multiple 
issues where Apocalypse isn't necessarily the main character, but he is a he is at the forefront of everything that is happening in the issue. And we are seeing Apocalypse operate in a way that we have never seen him operate before. Which is which is great. You know, he is he is the big, the, the big. Uh, you know, I, I made the joke uh, when we did uh, big, big pop apocalypse. Um, yeah, you know, he's like the progenitor of their species. He is the perfect mutant in every way, and he's finally cohabitating with the rest of the mutants, which I I feel like. Part of the reason they have decided to write that character that way now is it's it's a little bit of foreshadowing to where if Apocalypse can cohabitate with mutant kind, then there's no reason that, that Homo sapien, that human kind, can't cohabitate with them. But then it just compounds. Exactly. But then it just compounds, and it no matter, like you said, no matter what they do, the humans just won't fucking back off. They're too cockstrong. Well, and they're jealous. Very well said. I think that is something that does not necessarily get touched on enough in these comics Mm -hmm. is the jealousy of mankind. You nail it because they see mutants. Mutants have these insane abilities. I mean, I'm a basic human, homo sapien right now. I'm not going to lie. There are some mutant abilities that I fucking want hardcore. Right. Of course I'd be jealous if that actually existed. Well, and you think, too, like, it's kind of hard to articulate, but, like, you, you, you've got, like, all, all the human race has to do is accept Charles Xavier's gifts and let them go on their merry way. But it's almost like, yeah, we'll take your stuff, but just out of principle, we will not let you rest. Because the- it's almost like they're saying, "Hey, man, I'm a- thank you for inviting me in for dinner. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna eat all your dinner, and then I'm gonna go shit on your wife's chest." Yeah, and you're like, "Whoa, that that totally went too far, too fast." What? Right, exactly. Because, like, they have they have in this series, they have done such a fantastic job of building the triangle. You know, you've got. Mutants as one uh, one edge of the triangle. You've got humans as the other edge of the triangle. And then you've got super technology as the other edge of the triangle. And all Charles wants is essentially for humans and mutants to have their their corners of the triangle and be left alone. But through humans' jealousy and then everything else, the super technology becomes its own thing. And it doesn't have to be. And it, it just... I mean, I, I like I like painting the picture as a triangle because it, it for me it helps explain the conflict because it's one challenges... Technology challenges mutants because it's the only thing that can. Mutants challenge humans... Because they're the only thing that can. And then technology turns on humanity, and then humanity dooms themselves. Like we always do. It's a repeating cycle. Mm -hmm. It's a lost 
cause every single time. Uh, interestingly enough, I just I'm, I have you know uh, the book open here that we're going to be covering today, and I just flipped to like the first main picture of the page and just realized a huge Easter egg from something that happens later in the series that I, I can't wait to go back and talk about. Awesome, because it's like hide, hiding in plain sight. It's pretty cool. Um, but uh, anyways, man, I think that we should officially talk about House of X4. Uh, now, the last time we left off for the folks that were listening to us, we were talking about House of X3. Mm-hmm. We had talked about the mutants trying to infiltrate the Mother Mold. They were, you know, they kind of set on a mission. They were going to take the four columns and destroy them, and that was going to set the Mother Mold off into the sun. And there was resistance. The mutants were met with resistance. And we kind of got left on this cliffhanger where it seems the X-Men are toast when we come into issue four of House of X. Mm -hmm. Uh, First page we get, man, is a dossier page talking about mutant extinction events. Well, and I want to talk about kind of the the foreword right after the cover art, too. It is as simple as any of these sheets have been. It is a two-word phrase from Professor X, and it just says, no more. And this this small, you know, white and black page with very little text, you know, it, it just doubles down on everything that we just talked about for 10 minutes, that Xavier and Magneto and Apocalypse and Mutant Kind, they will take it no longer. Which, which I think sets this issue up very, very well. Absolutely. Uh, this is kind of... Uh, fuck. I can't even reference that because you haven't seen Breaking Bad, but this is the, the difference between them in, in the past going half measure and now going full measure mm-hmm. uh, to ensure their safety. So we look at the mutant extinction events. We talk about Genosha, which was a sentinel genocide done by Trask. Uh, 16.5 million mutants dead. Mm. Um, during House of M, the decimation happened where mutant erasure, uh, erasure happened by the pretender Wanda Maximoff. One million mutants were depowered permanently. Uh, in addition to the two mutant extinction level events, recent history has seen an uptick in the incident of human on mutant violence. The increased number of mutant births since the lights has only served to provide uh, more opportunity for these human-on-mutant crimes to be enacted. Uh, They go on to show a list of crimes that are committed by various people. We're not going to list them all. Some of the, obviously we talked about Trask, we talked about Maximoff, William Stryker's on there killing 414 mutants. Uh, Then we go back to the mutant population, pre-Genosha was 17,508,236. Total mutant population of Earth was only about 0.0025%, a very, very small percent. Pre-decimation, there were... I can't, hold on. Uh, There were... uh, The mutants overall lost 16,521,618, remaining population on Earth down to point. Zero 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 one four percent. So one th- and one post- thousandth of a percent. One thousandth of a percent. Yeah. Post decimation, only one hundred ninety eight mutants are left. Remaining mutant population point 
Let me count these. There's a lot. Zero 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 two nine percent. Wow. Which I'm pretty sure is like a two millionth of a percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as you see, and we just talked about previously, to go back to everything we had said, the mutants have lost a lot. I mean, they have been whittled down from millions of mutants to less than 200. Mm-hmm. That is a... Um, it was genocide across the board. If you look at it, I mean, if, if mutants were a real kind of people, they've just pretty much been, like, totally wiped off the face of Earth. And in, in all reality, for no reason. Yes, very, very, very well said. Uh, well, I, I think we kind of touched on that earlier, too, with how it's actually based on jealousy more than anything else. Right. Um. But to now officially get into it, when we're in the book here, you know, we've got kind of a scene that's going back to the team that was left on Earth before the remaining X-Men went to Mother Mold to to remove this um, and take this offline and and shoot her into the sun. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got uh, Magneto and Xavier. It looks like Storm. Which is... I'm not... Which this is the first time that we get to see Storm and Beast realistically so far in the series. Yeah, Beast is kind of hiding in the background. Good eye on that. He's uh, on the computer over there. And then these twins that were with the uh, White Queen, I'm pretty sure, right? Mm-hmm. That's what those girls in white are? Yep. Okay, so they all link up together and essentially bring forward some sort of vision of Jean Grey. Yeah, so like Professor X has, you know, porto portable Cerebro now. So it looks like he has essentially created this chamber... Um, in Krakoa where he can utilize the water in the center of that chamber with Storm and then Cerebro to do like uh, <clears throat> long distance like long distance visual communication. It's almost like creating a hologram with water. Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool visual. I'm not going to lie. If they ever did this in like the MCU, I would love that visual. Mm-hmm. look cool as shit. It's like quantum entanglement, but with your mind and water. Bam, well said, bro. Yes, absolutely. Uh, obviously, though, Gene's reporting back some really bad news. Uh, these X-Men got fucked. Yeah. Really hard. Real hard. So right out of the gate, we're only two and a half issues into this book. We already get confirmation. Archangel, dead. Husk, dead. Nightcrawler seems to be okay. He just has some internal injuries, nothing too bad. Wolverine's obviously, fucked up pretty good. I'll say, obviously, Logan is slowly regenerating, um, considering he is missing a lot of the left side of his body. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cyclops is... Not worse for wear, but whoever was with Cyclops, I think that's Husk, obviously is super dead. No, that that looks like Archangel. I can see the wing underneath his. Oh, better eye. Yeah, I, I yeah, you definitely catch that better than I can. Um, but Wolverine kind of says, look, we have to finish this mm-hmm. because if we don't, no one's going to, and then we're right back to fuck where we were. And nothing has changed. I really like... Um... This next this next page we get Nightcrawler teleporting each 
basically each strike team member to each um, pillar individually. Um, and just the visual of, like, you know, Scott teleports in, Mystique teleports in, Nightcrawler's doing his thing, but fucking Wolverine just comes right out of the gate, claws are already out, you know. He's he's letting out some frustration from pretty much just getting blown in half. Yeah, he's taking on members of AIM, members of HYDRA, members of she- Sword. Sword and Shield, yeah. For- former members of SHIELD. I mean, he's pissed, and he is not going to let it be hidden. And I do think it's interesting. So, you know, Nightcrawler bamfed everybody to their different spots, but it's like that he bamfed him. He bamfed Wolverine to a spot he knew. Like, okay, there's lots of guys. We need some people killed. Yep. Go at it, Logan. Have fun. Like, I understand your frustration, bro. Uh, but this is really, I mean, honestly, when you look at this issue. Very, 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 very toll-taking issue Mm -hmm. for the X-Men because it only gets worse. This is something that I wanted to bring up, too, especially now You know, we've talked about Logan's kind of battle royale that he's got going on there. This, the mother mold, everything that that, uh, the Krakoan mutants are trying to stop at this point, you know, it's, what, what did we say this was called? Project Orchid? Orcus, yeah. Yeah, Orcus, thank you. Um, these groups, especially, I mean, Hydra's one thing, but like sword, shield, um, you know, like some of these organizations, these people have worked hand in hand with to stop major threats. And here, here, here it is. I mean, this is, it's polarizing because everything that, that these like sword and shield specifically have done with the Avengers and with X-Men and pretty much any major super group on earth or close to earth, I guess it would be the way to phrase it. They, they, they did all that. They, they took the help with open arms and here they are still fucking them. You know what I mean? It's a pretty interesting allegory to today's geopolitical climate. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, not to dive too much into politics today, but I'm looking at you, uh, serious situation that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to note in all this, too, that and maybe this is just short-sightedness on my part, why do we not see, I mean, and, and and correct me if I'm wrong here, but why do we never see Mystique really use her powers in this issue? I don't know. I don't know. It, I, I would imagine it's kind of like a, um, like a, a Black Widow type thing or, or, or specifically Natasha Romanoff type thing. Like, I would imagine that her powers as far as like subterfuge and blending in wouldn't really benefit her here because they knew, um, they knew the mutants were there. They tried to blow up the ship. If she appeared as literally anyone on the ship other than like your basic, just rank and file dude, she would look out of place. Like she hasn't had any time to, like study patterns and you know gotcha. f- for her pattern or for her powers to really benefit her, you know what I mean? She's done no um 
like reconnaissance uh, reconnaissance yeah yeah recon mission to figure out all the stuff that's going on that's a really 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 good point uh now you have one of the orcus leaders here talking to dr gregor of course it's just the one of the observers i guess she says Mm -hmm. Um, but she essentially says, look, you have to make the call. I can't just sit here and let us die. I also can't do anything until you are the one that actually speaks it into existence. And then we get, uh, you know, the transition where we we start hearing the columns departing from Mother Mold. Cocoon. Real quick, real quick, this, this character... Um... Do we do we see is, is this one of the characters that flash forward in time is one of of um Nimrod's lackeys like one of the librarian type Well not necessarily one of the librarian type but like um the the girl that says she's the observer is she the one that becomes that red cyborg you think maybe Possibly, yes. I'm, oh my gosh, that's actually because I like just as far as the character art, I'm seeing a lot of similarities, and I don't remember what that character's name was. Yeah, and also I'm noticing that this formerly human is slowly being replaced by all robotic parts, which would make sense for her to be fully cybernetic mm-hmm. down the road. That's actually a really good catch that I think you just found there. Um. Not sure how we'll confirm that. We'll probably have to go back later and do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, uh, so we start hearing, like I said, the different columns breaking at section two and section four. So Nightcrawler success, Wolverine success. We do not know if we're going to have success at one and three though. Mm-hmm. Um, back at Krakoa, we get some more conversation here with Gene while. Well, shit's really going bad for them. Uh, And essentially, I'm I'm not sure who that is. I wish, I will say this, to totally tangent back to something that Jonathan Hickman used to do in some of his comics, especially in like the Avenger comics that he did in 2014 and 15. First page of every comic, do you know what they did? Give a cast? A roster list, yes. So you could see a face and go, that's that character. I won't forget that now. Yeah, because uh, b- b- <clears throat> like this whole this whole scene that we get here, Jean Grey is obviously updating everyone on Earth. You've got Jean and uh, this character that we can't really establish who she is. I think it's Lady Deathstrike because when you go to the next page, she's got her that like transformative look. But I don't know if they've made X twenty three look like this well, now, and, so I'm not sure. And that's that's what I was gonna say. I'm not really sure. I, I guess it could be either one. Um I mean because this character or or um what we assume is either Lady Deathstrike or or X twenty three is like she's fucking red and she's got the Lady Deathstrike claws, but like her hair would make you think like she's like a like a fucking rabid wolverine animal you know so i i think it could go either way but like i really appreciate this you know she is sacrificing herself with gene and gene's like no you have to fucking come with me and then it just goes right into fucking murder and death and this this scene of 
uh, whoever we, you know, whoever this realistically is, just fucking murdering people is is incredible. Oh yeah, just going off with again full measure, bro. Mm-hmm. Not oh, I'll just do some slight, you know, damage to like minim- minimize these guys' efforts. Nope, kill them, kill them, and take no prisoners, right. and and never give up. We jump to uh, Scott, kind of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think he's in what uh, in the control collar, which I think is three, and he disengages. Krakung. Right. So three of the four have been disengaged. And all and that all that leaves get, is Mystique. And she ends up having a real bad time, bro. Oh yeah. Because uh, they knew she was coming, right? They kind of planned for her arrival. How do you stop a mutant? Well, you can't really stop a mutant other than to just catch him off guard, which is totally what happens to Mystique when they open up a, a hole in the spaceship and suck her out into fucking space. Yeah, they straight they straight fucking jack open an airlock and, and like the alien or alien queen, uh, they fucking blast that bitch into space. <laughs> yeah, she did. Yeah, that that'd be a bad way to go, man. Yeah. And um let's see. I'm trying to look at I found some notes about this and I'm trying I was trying to see if they had anything about the um Lady Deathstrike. So in here. the next panel, um, while you're looking at that, the the character that Nate and I were trying to figure out who she was in the future, if she was this uh cybernetic person or a totally unrelated character altogether. Like you see, she's got a mechanical arm. She's got the red and white suit. I I think this is the same character. Just way back in the past, obviously. Okay, so I actually have confirmation on that character. And the robot character's name is Trinary. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, she first and last appeared in the great X-Men series Red. She has power over technology. Okay. That's her big shtick there. Damn it. I'm trying to find a, about this Lady Deathstrike character, and I just, they're not talking. They're talking about everything, but, oh, hold on. I'm almost there. Bear with us, folks. Yeah. It's, Hope, uh, I didn't have this planned as much. You know? Hopefully my voice sounds a lot better this week. I had, last week was the week, or the day, at least, because we recorded all of our shows the same day for me, the day of technical difficulties. Um, I recorded my end of, the, of last week's episode totally through my computer speakers. I did not mean to do that. So... It didn't sound bad, and I have confirmation, and we're wrong. We're all the way wrong. It's very confusing. So this is actually Monet. Okay. Um, and the character Monet uh, seems to turn into a state similar to Penance, which is another character. Right. Um, which means a bit of a long story. When Monet was introduced, she was actually two kids in a trench coat. She was being portrayed by her younger siblings, who could combine together to look like her while actual Monet had been turned into a mute shell that her older brother called Penance uh, had done. However, Penance uh, seemed even more animalistic than this version Monet is embodying on the page. I think the purpose here is to give Monet a very cool visual distinction as well, well as power-up moment. Okay. So, so we were totally yeah. wrong. 
Yeah, it's not Lady Deathstrike. See, this is why, again, I'll say it again. Hickman, you fucked up not putting... That's my only complaint about this series so far, not having a, a character sheet that I can look at. Yeah, we we have is. praised... And, and I, I think we can say it plain. I mean, this is a very confusing at times, convoluted story, especially with it being a a dual story, a dual issue series. And our only complaint is with this many with this many characters that are I mean, obviously we're gonna recognize Charles Xavier, uh Marvel Gore Marvel Girl or uh, you know, Jean Grey. We're we're gonna recognize these people. Characters like Monet uh, we're not going to recognize because, realistically, uh, this is the first time I've ever heard uh, of the character Monet or P- Penance. So, and, I, and I'm pretty sure they've been mentioned earlier in the series that we've actually read, but they're so limitedly mentioned right. that if you're not, I mean, listen, I have been on and off of reading X-Men comics for years. And this event seemed like a good jumping on point. It's the dawn of X, right. the new beginning. And if you're going to give me the new beginning, I need some understanding of the old end, I guess, is the way I'm saying. But it, I know? guess in his defense on the same, on the opposite hand, though, I mean, the character just sacrificed themselves and now is basically going to be gone forever. So is it really important that we know who this character is? Maybe not necessarily. Um, but I would love to have the... I mean, it, it would be one additional sheet. That's it, just one. Yeah. Nothing too crazy. Yeah. You you don't even not that you don't even have to draw any art. <laughs> just put just put what characters are there, and then through process of elimination, we can figure it out. Totally. This week in the issue, these are the characters you'll be dealing mm-hmm. with. Oh, awesome. Uh, now I will say that Doctor Gregor is rushing trinary here and saying hey we need to just put the mother mold online and she's like whoa bitch uh what if the thing hasn't learned enough is and is not sane or is not competent to understand what you're telling it to do mm-hmm. you're damning us all essentially and she's like well we're gonna just have to fucking take that risk aren't yeah, we yeah we just gotta go for it and you know um uh, as they're going for it you start hearing the countdown, Mother Mold boot in 29 seconds, 30 seconds, 29, 28, Mother Mold boot in 22 seconds, 21. The countdown's just uh, fucking obviously stressing them, these guys out. And um, obviously, Gene has to relay that to Xavier, and Xavier's response is, do whatever it takes. And I think that is a very, again, full measure Full measure from Charles here saying, just do whatever you have to. doesn't matter. Yeah, the, as an X-Men fan, um, with, the, with the characters, with the main characters that are in this issue, um, the next couple pages that we've got are pretty... I, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty simple dude, folks. Uh, the easiest way that I can put it is they're a dick kicker. Um, oh, man, are they? I mean, Take us through it, bro. So our our next scene that we get after uh, Charles Xavier basically saying, "Do whatever the fuck it takes to get this done. We cannot afford to lose." Um, you know, we get we see the mother mold continue to to come online, and we get a like a very nice station profile 
where you've got Wolverine and um, Nightcrawler on one side looking through like an observation platform and then you've got Scott on the other side and they're communicating and Wolverine and Nightcrawler are like, we we can do this. And like Scott is leaning on the glass with his head down. He's not looking at him. Um, and it, it's killing him. But he says, you know, just do it. So Nightcrawler and Logan teleport basically to the mother mold. Um, but we get a we we get a a, a nice little chunk of dialogue between Logan, you know, the 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 unkillable mutant, basically, uh, and Nightcrawler, and and I I, just, I wanted to read that so. Um, <clears throat> Night- Please do. Nightcrawler says, you ready? And Logan says, so I gotta ask, you still think that there's something waiting for us on the other side? And, you know, Nightcrawler being the religious religious person that he is, he said, worried about your soul, Logan? And Logan replies, just wondering what someone like me should expect. And this next this next panel is super... Like, you could not have done the art for this panel. You could not have... I, I mean, the, the dialogue is perfect. It's Nightcrawler putting his hand on Logan's shoulder, and they face each other with pure respect and and companionship with each other. Nightcrawler says, When you wake from this earthly slumber, my friend, look for me. I will be there waiting for you. And then they they teleport, and it finishes radiant and with open arms. So it's like you know, we're we're bros, bro. We can we can bro and, uh, we can bro this up. We're, we're going down to the end together, mm-hmm. and uh, we're both fighting the good fight together. And uh, it, you know, the plan is obviously really smart. You got three of the four columns out. You. Bamf to the last one and just have Wolverine go fucking ape shit on it. Right. But it, it's because it's it's incredible. The art the you know, I have hyped up the art of every issue. Um you know, this this might be the most impactful, the most well done, because you know, the first panel that you get on this page is you see them teleport and then immediately Nightcrawler is just done. He's gone. He's vaporized. Because they are instantly they they are they are in space next to a sun, like the 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 temperature, the radiation, whatever you need to justify or throw out there to justify Nightcrawler being gone, he is instantly fucking vaporized. Everything, dude. Everything is the justification for his demise. <laughs> and like just just the image of. As soon as they teleport, like Logan takes a fraction of a second to sh- like to shield himself from basically his doom, and then he just lets that go and just starts hacking and slashing. And it says, and there's this nice little dialogue uh, bubble from I assume this is from Mother Mold. It says, "If man, if man made me." then they are God, and you are Titans, their spoiled lineage. But while you war, we children sit in judgment of those above us. We judge and find you both wanting. 
that being the technological mm-hmm. race. Yep. I love that. And it, it goes on further, like once Logan has um, severed this, this control arm, it's Mother Mold saying, do you hear us, Olympus? We have stolen your fire, and with it we will burn you all. As Mother Mold, you know, due to the gravity... Drifts into the sun. Gravitational pull of the sun just drifts into it. But I really like this image, too, of Logan floating away. He's pretty much already healed up but from being fucking nuked by the sun. Yeah, but unfortunately, he doesn't have any kind of rescue. Right. And one thing I want to note, I think that'd be interesting imagery if we ever got this story in movie form. It would be interesting to see him like constantly regenerating as he's being ripped apart. Because mm-hmm. you got to think that's how it's happening. As part of him is regenerating as he's hitting the parts of the mother mold, other parts of him are ripping off and starting the regeneration process. Right. And it's like a constant ebb and flow of that. It would be really, really interesting imagery to see. And then, you know... The mother mold drifts off into the sun, and uh, I felt this was this was like choked me the fuck up. The the Scott with his hand on the glass still, mm-hmm. he finally looks up and says, "Bravest man I know." Gene, tell the professor it's done. It cost us our friends, our family, but it's done. Mm-hmm. Oh. Just like crush me now in a fucking trash compactor. Oh yeah, Jesus. it's 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 a fucking like I said, it's a dick kicker, man. Um, Brutal. But like it immediately goes to, like you you go from the sadness of of Scott losing, you know, the majority of everyone that's that's near and dear to him, um, to, oh shit, I gotta get to Gene, you know, we gotta get home. Yeah, she's just floating out there in space in an escape pod that uh, Monet launched her off mm-hmm. in. Um, but I really like 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 Scott is running down this observation deck of the the Mother Mold space station, and he's like, "Well, there's got to be an EVA suit somewhere. I'll just fucking suit up and I'll basically jump through space. No big deal." Um, like. You can just rip the pot apart and put it back together. Uh, like I'll I'll find my way there no matter what. Um, and 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 Gene's like, so you're saying that we're gonna drift all the way back to Earth with no food, no water, and that's it. And he's like, it don't matter. I'm getting you home. And it Well, and we learned that uh, the lie detector determined <clears throat> that that was a lie. <laughs> uh, the paternity test says that you are not the father. Don't worry, Wolvie is. Oh. Hey. Don't worry, Scott's okay with it. It's 2019. Right. Uh, but Scott's <laughs> dead now, so... Um, oh, that was a brutal jump forward! Holy shit! You just ripped the bandaid clean off. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we 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 left Gregor and uh, Trinary like basically gearing up to, you know, we got to stop these damn mutants, and uh, now you're fucking shooting a man in the back. 
this issue's tough, man. I thought that the cliffhanger from last week was tough. This is pretty tough. Because it's like last issue, you think, oh, they all got blown up. That fucking blows. And then now you're like, they're back alive, yay! Mm -hmm. And then I have to watch them all die even more horrid, wretched deaths. Right. It's not even like... We don't get to watch like we don't get to watch them go down together. We have to watch each one of them individually fucking die. With the exception, of course, of Wolvie and uh, Nightcrawler. Right. Which, of course, I mean, I guess technically Wolverine survived and Nightcrawler did not, so they both didn't simultaneously die. So you still are right. <laughs> semantics, bro. Uh, semantics. Yeah, it's all about semantics. But I loved, I loved and hated the bottom panel. With Scott and then the very following panel with Gene, I think the imagery is so incredible and captivating. Uh, you've got Scott on the ground. You can see Trinary and Dr. Gregor holding this gun. And he says, I'm sorry, Gene. I'm not going to make it. Mm-hmm. And then as the train of our existence blares through, holy shit. Very angry today, it seems. Angry train. The angry train of our existence. But that very next panel with his visor exploding is, whoa. Oh, yeah, that's tough. Because, I mean, you know, like, Gene is such a powerful, um, you know, telepath that she she was in his head. She felt that. Oh, yeah. She literally felt his lights go out. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Brutal. Which, of course, affects her psyche into the next little mini panel as she's starting to realize that everyone she came here with, Husk, Monet, Archangel, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Cyclops, they're all fucking dead. Every one of them are gone. And it's just her now. I love this. You know, you've got these Sentinels... um basically dogpiling on top of Jean's escape pod and Jean is like she's straight up in the fetal position bro she's like she's gone they're all gone and then like she starts this mantra look at what they've done what they always do look at how this always ends with fire and death and the funerals of our children, and then she just fucking goes apeshit. Yeah. (laughs) Every victory, every triumph, defeat. And, uh, of course, you have a absolutely gut-wrenchingly broken Professor X Mm -hmm. sobbing in the pool of Krakoa saying they murdered so many of us the world has grown used to it this is just how how things are for those people for mutants no more and that's where we started the issue mm-hmm. if you'll remember incredible incredible uh basically preamble for the episode um and then you know kind of the epilogue page that we or the epilogue pages that we've got are just a continuation of that theme no more um it shows the genocides you know look at what they've done um the last stand of the mutants i I imagine is what that newspaper article says 
and then the final scene, the final image is just the words no more uh, in super contrast with the background of Professor X crying on the ground, fucking broken and defeated. It's it's incredible. This is my this is one hundred percent my favorite issue in the series. Fuck yeah, man! I it's 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 a mixture of two things. It's extraordinarily impactful. Okay, the the story that it is in it in itself self contained is very impactful because it's like if you took House of X three and Powers of X three or I, I fucked that up House of X three and House of X four and said this is a little story we're gonna tell. Mm-hmm in its own pocket world. It would stand alone as an amazingly powerful story. Oh, the mutants are on this mission, and all they have to do is stop the fucking humans and the sentinels again, as we've always done. Right. And they still can't do it. Ugh. And you gotta think, another thing, oh my god, I just thought of something really interesting. Since technically we've pretty much been led to believe that Cerebro has been a part of Xavier since mutants were found, I guess is the way to say that, or like known, Mm -hmm. In modern society, he pretty much has in one way or another felt or visually witnessed more than anyone else the lights go out for all these mutants that have been lost. Oh, yeah. For, I mean, much like you were saying with Gene and Scott, the same could be said for Professor X. And that's like, oh, just like, oh, you had to watch all those mutants fucking get fucking destroyed. Oh. Not a fan of that. Okay, well, before we move into the next chapter of the story, I got to know. I mean, I know the answer. It's It's got to be a 10 out of 10 for you, right? Absolutely. I mean, could you give it an 11 out of 10? Is, is there any extra <laughs> if, oomph if, on this issue that makes you want to give it more points? So if the last issue and this issue were one issue, it would be an 11 out of 10. You think they shouldn't have split it up? I I think I like see that's that's the problem. I like that they split it up. I love that they left last issue on a hang or a cliffhanger. But I also was like, you know, because I I legit waited. Um, you know, when I went from that issue to this issue, I waited a week to read them. So that whole time, I had the suspense because I because I, I very well could have read them back to back. Um, totally. But it just like I wanted to feel that weight, no no pun intended there the 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 weight of the issue, um and it I mean it fucking hurt to read some of those panels for this issue so overall combined eleven out of ten separate ten out of ten okay uh, I I do agree this was very impactful. Uh, moment in the series this is almost the the full-blown game changer because you wash away and i think this story you said it really good earlier it it, it at, at times can be a little hard to follow per se but but being the very big operative word there uh they pulled it right back to the x-men we know and love right back to like kind of our moment in time and they just fucking straight up bodied us man yeah. Like like we were already feeling like a little like uneasy with this whole thing and they're just like, "You know what? Nah. We're going to kill everyone. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. Let's just see what happens. What are you going to do to stop it? Nothing." Uh so now, I think we move on to Powers 4. Are you are you cool with that? Yeah, absolutely. Young Padawan? Indeed. 
You know what's interesting? I want to note something. What's that? We've done a really good job covering this series so far. Do you know what we've not talked about for a single issue? What's that? The covers. No, no, no. We have talked about the covers. We did the first couple issues. Did we? Yeah, because I, I fucking... Like, especially the first couple, we had the variant covers for, and I nerded out about them. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. I forgot about that. I, I did forget. There um, Before before we start with um, Powers 4, there are a couple things that I want to uh, jump in here and tangent with. Um, sure, please do. First of all, I, I again want to thank anyone that listens to this show regularly, but I also want to thank anyone that has, has listened and enjoyed and continued uh, to listen to our coverage of House and Powers of X. Just because, you know, um, Dr. Ian Malcolm in in, uh, Jurassic Park has the famous phrase, life finds a way. You know, life also finds a way to get in the way of things that we enjoy. Um, Through scheduling conflicts and technical difficulties and sickness, uh, we are still trying to do our due diligence and do our best at, at, at er, at covering this series. Uh, because I truly believe that, you know, we have we have ranted and raved and, and praised and, and jumped up and down and cried a little bit and smiled and laughed. And we have had every, the entire run of the human emotion, emotional spectrum uh, when it comes to this series. And I hope that you all have enjoyed it because I know Nate and I sure as hell have. Um, I mean, I'm falling I also in love with the, the X-Men again. Yes. And, and and that's what you and I talked about the first couple issues was that this was so, it was so refreshing to have a totally unique X-Men story again, one that is culturally and socially relevant again. And, um, you know, this, like we talked, like we said last week, this, this series is now doing what the X-Men did all those years ago, you know, it is not being mutually exclusive or, or it's not being inclusive um, just for the sake of including people. It's it's saying that, that in reality we're all equal and, and we're all relevant and we should just coexist and and we should we should make it our number one priority just to find a way to coexist and live fucking long as long a happy life as we possibly can um but in honor of Stan's soapbox I'll get off of mine but there is <laughs> but there, I like how you did that there, there is there is one little one more little tidbit I want to throw in there please do Nate Hmm. What did we get tickets to the other day? Oh shit. Dude, <laughs> nice tangent. Here I am cackling like a fucking hyena. Oh. I'm so I'm Oh, I forgot all I'm about so excited, that happening, man. man. We had, so excited. We had a meeting. Mhm. Mini meeting with some of the network heads. Uh we had to kind of again get our ducks in a row it's good that we all chatted up every now and again mm-hmm. and um, amongst several great laughs and other things during the time we were on the call tickets for star wars rise of the skywalker dropped mm-hmm. 
And first thing we hear from Nick is, oh, they're already sold out, motherfucker. So we're all bummed and out and sad. Then, and then he's like, oh, wait, wait, oh, wait, oh, I got some. I got, and I can get more. Should I get more? <laughs> we were all like, uh, yeah, yeah, that would be fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now we're doing like a networky type thing with a bunch of us going to see Star Wars on opening night in yep. y'all's neck of the woods. Yep, we we secured tickets to fucking Star Wars on premiere night. Boys night. Boys in the boys house. We did it folks. We got fucking opening night tickets. To see Star Wars as a group, and I'm excited. I'm not going to lie. When I get there, I'm going to look at you guys and just go, Chewy, we're home. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take my lightsaber out and start swinging it. Oh, my God. (laughs) Hopefully people don't get down on their knees when your lightsaber comes out. (laughs) Someone call the police. What happened? Oh, she burnt her face off. She saw his lightsaber and got excited. What is that man doing? There are children. (laughs) Ah. I have a lightsaber. Mm. I could bring it. Fuck yeah. I might bring it. I mean, why not? Well, because I'm a 32-year-old man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Well, I'm almost 30. My birthday's in two days. That's so crazy, man. Tuesday is the day. Mm-hmm. Tuesday is the day. And then you're going to be 29? 28. 28. Oh, pff. you're not even close to 30 yet, bro. Whatever. That last two years lingers forever. No. <laughs> not in my time zone. Shit, Shit's on fucking hyperspeed. Are you nervous to become 30? Not really. It doesn't matter to you? No. I think age is in your in your soul. Well, I've been old since I was like 10, so. Yeah, you are old dad for, I, for real. I am old dad, so. Uh, but not to tangent too much longer to get into Powers of X4, uh, you brought up talking about uh, the, the, the lack of cover discussion or um, the, the, the lack of lack of dis- discussion into covers. I don't know how to say that. Maybe the way to say it would be Nate's forgetfulness Nate's, to Nate's think brain. about or talk about something important to all comics, which is the cover which most people buy comics for. <laughs> Just saying. This is um, not one of my favorite covers in the series. I will say that. Thank you. That's why I brought it up, because I actually think this is like somebody at Marvel was really high and said, this is the best we got. Okay. Or cool or, or maybe, you know, up until the deadline for the issue of this book, they just didn't have, like, maybe this was originally a variant cover, and they didn't really have anything, like, their... Um, the prototypes or their their first drafts, like maybe they didn't have a cover narrowed down, but they knew they wanted to use this as a variant. And then when it came time to ship the book, this is the best that they had. That was not very good. You know, because because the, the, the art style hasn't really changed. Obviously, Nate and I both appreciate that a lot. Um, but, you know, it, it, I'll just close out of this real quick and then, and then pull up the... 
the entire series, um, you know, I just, you look at all these covers and there is just, I mean, House of X3 had an incredible cover. House of X2, the the Moira-centered stuff with all the different, almost like the, um, uh, the fucking fractals of a crystal or the the different sides of a prism like oh we definitely talked about that, that cover. that's a, that's another that issue that looked really good powers of x2 is a little bit weaker but powers of x3 i mean that's a that's a, that's almost like a star wars-esque you know think back to like the original movie posters like that's that's a great cover. House of X You're right though. House of X one is pretty basic, but you've got I mean you've got the fucking squad getting ready to drop the hottest album that's ever been seen in the X Men universe. Like Krakoa or straight out of Krakoa. Straight out of Krakoa. This issue episode title. This issue is just not just not the greatest. It doesn't hit as much as or it doesn't hit as hard um, as the rest of them. Not to say it's bad. It's just I th- I think there's there's enough lacking here, um, overall, if if you if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Well, what you're what you're saying is is that you really have a series with a lot of really interesting and impactful covers Thank across you. the board. You look at literally, I mean, even even jumping ahead, and I know we're not there yet, but House of X five and six, and Powers of X five and six, and even. X-Men 1, the relaunch, mm-hmm. all have really cool and impactful covers. This is the absolute swing and a miss. The only saving grace I'm going to give it here, and when I say it, I think you'll agree, okay? Totally. One saving grace. It is true to old school Marvel. Yes. They used to do these covers all the time in the old days. Totally. The multi-face cover, it fills up space, it allows you to put a lot of your well-known popular characters on a cover just to get people interested in the book. I get that. Okay. But also, look inside this book, dude. Look inside and look at some of the crazy art you have, some of the imagery, just to skip around this crazy scene with this sword bursting out of the fucking ground with this red uh, light hitting it and this black lightning striking the sword. Like, make that the fucking cover. Right. People would buy it. They wouldn't even know what the fuck is happening. Make it Apocalypse, like, riding in on some fucking bisons or some shit. Make it the fucking um, phalanx. It does... Any of these things would have been cooler than the, you know, Cerebro Professor X thing, which, again, okay, when you look ahead to further in the series, this kind of also makes sense with the story they do end up telling in kind of the, hmm... How do I not spoil the series in one word? Storage? Is that the word? I think, I think anyways, that's okay, yeah. Yeah, the storage of uh, the mutant data, which I think we've kind of learned about in the library in the future, if I'm right, because there's a point when where Nimrod, even in the mid-future, has a version of the library where they're saving all the, uh, the mutant DNA by mm-hmm. uh, breaking them down, right? Right. In the goo. In the goo. Forgot about in the, <laughs> in the goo. That's another good one. Anyways. Um, and then, like I said, another thing with Xavier here, uh, you look on this cover and you, you have a lot of uh, subtle references to people throughout the series. And, uh, yeah, we can move on from covers now. 
uh, first page of the dossier sheet here, we've got I f uh, another Professor X quote. I fear our needs will far outlast our desires. We have many hard choices ahead of us. They just had a lot of hard choices, bro. Mm -hmm. For him to say that's like, fuck. That's awful. Anyways, right. let's get into it, man. Let's start talking about it. All right, give me just a second here. Sure. I mean, you can go ahead and start, but I'm I'm trying to fix something. Okay, well, uh, as we have another train of our existence showing up to attempt to ruin our day and, and you know, drop it like it's hot... Uh, we are back in X-Men year one, so this is around the original <clears throat> comic books of Uncanny X-Men and stuff. You have Magneto and uh, Professor Charles Xavier going to Bar Sinister, mm -hmm. something we learned from a series several, several, several years ago. I can't remember the name of the series, forgive me, folks, but essentially Mr. Sinister had played around with creating his own nation of Sinisters, by using cybernetic cloning. Correct. And so there are all these Sinisters running around, living life, being Sinisters, and Xavier and Magneto show up and essentially say they need to see Nathaniel Essex, which is the real name of Mr. Sinister. Mm -hmm. uh, I loved all of this interaction with these three. Yes. Four, I guess you'd say. <laughs> Uh, you know, you've got, uh, essentially, they, you know, use their mutant powers, which is Magneto pulling a dude uh, with his magnetic powers, it looks like. One of the guards, possibly. Uh, essentially, to bargain them into getting to meet with this Nathaniel Essex. Mm -hmm. And he is not really hearing what they have to say because right now he's really, really, really upset that, that his servant didn't suggest he wear a cape because he loves it. Right. He's like, what the fuck? What? Like that cape is dashing. I need a cape. Why didn't you tell me to wear a cape? And he's like, it slipped my mind. And then he's like, Execute this man. Like, let's just fucking kill him. And they just straight up go to town. Kill him. Chop him up into bits. Mm -hmm. So what do uh, what do uh, Xavier and Magneto have to say here? What's going on? Why, why are they even at Bar Sinister? Uh, they're basically like... Well, f first of all, one thing that I really appreciate is like this whole... Like... Mag <laughs> Magneto gets pissed off, you know, and obviously does his thing here. Um, but Charles is like, no, stop, Eric, please. Like, he's obviously, he obviously wants Magneto to stop, but he's not, like, super worried about it because they'll just walk in if they have to. He's um, not given his full potential. He's just, like, almost playing the role of good cop. Mm-hmm. No, stop, Eric. Don't hurt him. Right. Hit him a, a little lower next time, you dumbass. <clears throat> but yeah, Magneto, uh, <clears throat> Magneto and Charles are basically like, look, I've got a proposition for you. It it, it will be mutually beneficial. Um, you know, uh, 
you you've got some some expertise. You do pretty good stuff, or pretty well at the stuff that you want to do. Um, but like we, we want access to this library that you're building. Um, like they're basically just like, look, we need your help. And, uh, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to articulate because, like, as, as at least as far as the stuff from Sinister's perspective, you know, there's there's been a lot of foreshadowing and mention of his character in the book up until this point. But, like, they haven't really painted his personality or his image um, in any way. Like, at this point, he's just, like, a philanthropist, mob boss, like... Dude, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's very, very aloof and not giving away <clears throat> his um, view. Nah, viewpoint's not a good word. Mm-hmm. His position yes. on things. He's, Perfect. He's he's high. He's he's definitely just like almost kind of playing a comedian when we first see him. It's just like this whatever, and they try to like bargain with him, saying like, "Look, we've seen what's coming," and what we're trying to accomplish, you're going to want this as well. And if you don't, things are going to be even fucking worse. And he's like, no, you know what? I've, you know, thought about this and, and he's not into it. However, we are on an Island full of Mr. Sinisters. Mm -hmm. So the current Mr. Sinister that we're watching and listening to his diatribe gets his head blown the fuck clean off. Oh yeah. Um, to another Mr. Sinister, who is the Mr. Sinister with the mutant gene. Mm -hmm. And he definitely wants to uh, help them out. But he says, uh, my mutant power is overthrowing tyrants and being absolutely fabulous. And I love that Magneto's like, I can see that. (laughs) I really like, you know, as you go through the next couple panels, like he can, like... Charles is laying it all out. The real Mr. Sinister comes up. Um, and he's like, yeah, like, cool. I, I'm really vibing. And obviously I'm saying this super casual, but he's like, yep, uh, I'm in. We're partners now. And then I really like, like, Charles just goes right for it. Like, he's in Sinister's brain, and here's what you're going to get. First, you need to begin the good work that you basically alluding to all this good work that you say you're capable of. And then I need you to forget why you're doing it and that we were ever here until the day I tell you to remember. And then we go to another um, dossier sheet titled The Red Diamond, All the Best News and Gossip from Bar Sinister. Oh, yeah. And I, I am so excited to talk I, about this I, one page. I think we should definitely um, read through this, so I'll, I'll take the first couple and jump in wherever you want. Sin- sure, sure. Sinister secret number one. He's trying to pretend that no one noticed he was wearing red shoes, but this truly sinister sinister isn't fooling anyone. Sinister secret number two. And speaking of fashion, the Whisper Network has turned into a roar regarding the return of this trend-setting mutant who was cut down in his prime. 
Will someone please tell all these mutants to stop wearing human clothes and join the stampede across their island full of flowers to the flower that's the fullest? Sinister secret number... Go ahead. I was going to take sinister secret number three unless you wanted it. No, no, go ahead. Sinister secret number three. Here's a go. A deceased redhead pretended... Or a secret redheaded pretender made a pact with the devil. When she passed on, most believed that any secret she had went with her to the grave. Won't everyone be surprised when they find out not only is this not true, but she left behind a whole lot more than secrets. Sinister Secret 4 While every Sinister has been busy wondering how they might be affected by current events, almost no one noticed what washed ashore. A word of advice to all things Sinister. Don't embrace the revelry, or there won't be anything for you to celebrate. Sinister Sinister. Secrets Revealed. Certain people are wondering where the tyrant-dispelling Sinister got his mutant gene. And while that really isn't an interesting story, whom the DNA originally belonged to is. That, that's the big one right there. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Who do you think? Man, I'm not sure. I know the answer. Do you want to talk about it? I think it's Charles Xavier. I agree. Because I think that that's a part of the whole good work thing, is that Xavier put that gene in him, knowing like he went there with ulterior motives, Mm -hmm. essentially. I don't know if we'll ever find that out officially. Um, But it could be because, check this out. I'm. You can pl- please continue to read these if, if if you would like to the whole next page, because Sinister Secret number five actually harkens back to the last time we talked about the House of X Powers of X series and our conversation on polyamory versus uh, being a swinger. Yep. As this is a clue into the future of the X Men, it seems. So Sinister Secret number five. He's the best there is at what he does. She's married with a kid. The husband knows exactly what's going on. But who is he to point the finger? He's up to much the same and more. Maybe this is just the new normal on the mutant island. Sinister secret number six. Everyone, everyone believed that the plan of this uh, progerian mutant with the secret sinister ties was foiled. But little did the gifted ones know that the s- destroyed samples were switched out beforehand. S- Ooh. Sinister secret. Sinister secret. Go ahead. You want me to do it? Okay, sorry. Sinister secret number seven. Two brothers jumped out of a plane, and for the longest time until he was discovered, many wondered if there was a third. If we if we told you there were more, would you believe me? Probably not. Sinister secret eight. For years, this fittest of all mutant has routinely surrounded himself with a particular numbered entourage. These hangers-on stick around for a while until they are eventually replaced with newer more exciting members. Um, what most people don't know is that the original members returned. These pretenders would be dropped faster than their head would spin. Do you know who Sinister Secret 8 is about? Uh, my book just crashed. Oh, no worries. Uh, as you pull that back up, I think this Sinister Secret 8, if we reread it, for years this fittest of all mutant has routinely surrounded himself with a particular numbered entourage. 
These hangers-on stick around for a while until they eventually replace with newer, more exciting members. What most people don't know is if the original members returned, these pretenders would be dropped so fast their heads would spin. Gotta be Charles Xavier, right? Yep. Leader of the X-Men, all the different members of the X-Men throughout time and space and history, but if the original team came back, he would drop everything else for them. I think that's dead on. Sinister Secret. You want to take over for nine? Yeah, I'll do it. Sinister Secret number nine. They say the kids are all right, but all is not right in paradise. This non-couple couple has been apart so long, friends are expecting that when they see each other again, fireworks are going to ensue. Is the universe Reggie ready? Judging by how unprepared everyone was, <coughs> excuse me, for what's happened so far, we kind of doubt it. Sinister Secrets Revealed. We don't hear this word spoken often, so when we do, it's best to pay attention because when you square that circle, what took a long time to build can come crumbling down quickly. Um, number 10, which brainwashed mutant sinister was replaced long before a certain bald somebody knew and has been in on the game for almost as long as the game was being played? Shh. Hmm. Ooh. I mean, okay. I mean, do you think do you think that's a reference to maybe Mystique somewhere in there? Which brainwashed mutant sinister was replaced long before a certain bald someone? Hmm. I mean, the red diamond, you know. Yeah. Ooh, I don't know, man. Because like, she's got a red diamond in her head too. Right? That's an interesting thought. Yeah, no, you got my brain turning like a thousand miles a second right now at the possibility of that. Hmm. Because then that could... Oh, dude. What if it's Mystique's uh, DNA mm -hmm. that is actually a part of Nathaniel Essex? That's hard to say. Essex, X, 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 X. So back into it, we go to a flashback to the X-Men months ago, version X1. It's a younger team. Um, it's right when they're finding Krakoa. Mm -hmm. Xavier's showing it off to everybody. Um, but they don't really, I don't think, get it right away. Uh, he's like, oh, this guy Douglas, I think is his name, says, oh, this is the secret island where mutants come to die. Fantastic. Excellent choice, sir. <coughs> just, Excuse me. Just a quick little bit of clarification here. A Mystique does not have a red diamond in her forehead in this series. I thought she did for some reason, but she does not. Does she have a red necklace, maybe? Um, Nope. Uh, no. It's. Okay. I was thinking of that little white skull that's like right in the widow's peak of her hair. Yes, that's what I was thinking of. But it's not red; it's white, and I'm an idiot. No, you're not an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we don't know what we don't know, bro. Yeah. It just happens that way. Yeah. So, anyways, back to it. Xavier's telling Douglas, he's like, you know, this is uh. This is worth fighting for, but you're the you're the one who's able to decipher any language, mm -hmm. uh, because I think Douglas is cipher. Actually, I'm pretty sure that's the case. 
Um, so Professor X brings Cypher here to decipher, see what I did there, what OG Krakoa is saying, giant-ass group face. And uh, Douglas is like, oh, hi there, big fella, and there's a bunch of gibberish because it's a tree right? of sorts. And he's like, whoa, okay, no frictives, which makes sense, but the layering is dense, more than I would normally expect. I'm picking it up, but I need more. Ask him something else. Uh, how is he feeling or whatever? And they ask him how he's feeling, and he's like, ah, it's not It's not that he, he... Xavier says that he's, sa he's saying he's sad. Douglas is like, no, nah, it's not quite right. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're talking, but... It's not as complex or nuanced levels. Xavier friend, island friend, friend happy, friends many years kind of thing. Um, so it's saying that Krakoa isn't sad, um, but just off, I guess. And uh, then he starts to like kind of uncover this backstory. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty wild fucking backstory involving mythical beasts we don't really see what they are but they look cool as shit their silhouettes do anyways right again better cover choice just saying <clears throat> uh but we were okara the one land uh ancient before that word existed but not yet old in the way that they were old the twilight sword of the enemy tore the world asunder and what was one became two Arako and Krakoa. And from the chasm between them, from whatever wicked place they came, the enemy poured into this world. And if not for the man who was not a man, the first mutant, the warrior god in blue, the world would have fallen. Apocalypse. But using, oh, hell yeah, and I love that imagery too. That would have been a great cover. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe even the next panel down. Yes, absolutely. But using all his mighty powers, he stood in the gap, pushing Arako through the chasm, uh, set his four to... Uh, my eyes are fucked up, people, sorry. Set his four to sentinel that land and sealed the chasm shut, never to be opened Thank again. You. Thank you. It was the last thing that had to happen. It was, but Krakoa remained alone. A half, not whole, for now and forever. Or something like that. <laughs> I loved that because it's like Cypher tells the story in such great detail. And it's supposed to paint this really vivid picture. That's why they do the great imagery of the comic. Mm -hmm. And then he comes out of it with, or something like that. Like, maybe I'm totally wrong. Mm, excuse me. Well, I really like like you know he paint he paints this like the whole story like like how um man what's the word I don't know he just he does it up right like just does it up and then immediately after that he's just nonchalant about the whole thing. Correct. He goes from like um, being super involved and almost ultra articulate in his storytelling. Mm -hmm. To just very like shut off or whatever, but then he but Cypher starts to become kind of obsessed. Like man, it is beautiful here, you know. Um, and he's Professor X says he has some plans, and they're like, "Well, what do you mean plans? I'm interested." And he's like, "Better, I show you." Uh, 
And uh, what Douglas, a.k.a. Cypher, sees kind of scares them, I think. He almost has like this like, oh, like what? you couldn't even, there's no way you would even be able to pull that off. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, Xavier's like, no, 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 trust me. There's a way to do it. It'll take a while. Just trust me. Like, we're going to get to it. And then we get a, uh, a cool Krakoa dossier page. You want to walk us through it? Yeah. So, you know, we get this kind of like, uh, the dossier sheet is built up or designed kind of like a family tree. It says Krakoa interface built by Douglas Ramsey cipher, a translation or translation program so that other mutants can interact with the Island without needing cipher to act as a go between. So each branch of the tree, as far as the roots go on the left, you have transit monitoring. Uh, I assume that's headed up by Sage Defense and observation, that's Black Tom and Cassidy. And then here's where it gets interesting. On the other side of the, the root system here, you've got secondary and external systems. Trinary. Oh, yeah. Which now explains in the last issue that we read when um, Nightcrawler first teleported onto the ship and he said, oh, now you're working for the other side. So Trinary is a mutant. Um, and she must have betrayed the mutants, mm-hmm. it seems. And then Overwatch and data analysis is headed up by Beast. And at the bottom, we've got a little uh, footnote here. It says, note, while there has been no actual evidence of a Krakoan skunk, skunk works existing, there are rumors of a massive subterranean laboratory where Forge is busy building biological machines that could possibly be used to manage a mutant expansion on the island. Oh, foreshadowing. And now we jump forward back to um, the X-Men year 1000. <laughs> to, uh, <clears throat> I think this was, what, the end of Powers of X2, I think? Mm-hmm. It's been a couple issues since we last saw the Phalanx, but they were in the process of assimilating the... Um, Librarians. The, the founders and librarian and, and all those kind. Um and now they've decided that they're going to ascend. They're going to do it. Uh, so they start to take on, and the phalanx, you know, starts to essentially absorb. Absorb, or I don't. Would you call that assimilate? I guess I would say assimilate. Kind of like <clears throat> um, if you think back to the '80s and John Carpenter's The Thing, when when you've got that like archaic computer that the doctor is looking at. The, the cell assimilation from the, the creature. Like, mm-hmm. you've got the, the cell be bopping along, and then the other cell, and they bump into each other, and then one spiders into the next. That's that, that's just what popped into my head. So assimilation good, is definitely I, where I would go with this. Okay. I think that's good, especially considering the visual of all this. Um, so he the phalanx eats the essentially the... The world mind, I guess, the the centrifuge of this, mm-hmm. and you notice the change, and their shape starts to distort, and then they like kind of blow up into this giant fucking ball type thing, dude. 
and the the one I think it's the old librarian says, "Do you find this form is this conversion acceptable?" And the thing says, "Await response, await answer." And the phalanx essentially is, well, they've assimilated all of that knowledge, all of the history of mutant kind, all of mankind, all of sentinel kind. I mean, what do you think the the purpose of this is ultimately? I don't know because in the next in the next couple panels, um, you know, one of the first questions that that's that's posed is what do they want? It's not what they want; it's what they do. The Phalanx have the ability to integrate any machine intelligence into their collective, which after a period of time, if that intelligence is found useful, worthy, it will eventually ascend and be a part of the greater collective, subsumed into the Empire. And that, that, oh. that that's coming from little, little Nimrod bot there. Um, but clearly we, know, we now know they find us useful which should be celebrated, but the here you are not celebrating at all, not one bit. So there's a little bit con- of confusion here because the next couple panels is all phalanx-related. Um, and this is yeah. this is where I get confused. Well, because then, you know, the other creatures that are here start to get pulled up and ascend as well. And uh, they're talking and says everything comes down to a question of cost, doesn't it? The problem is that this method doesn't work with biological entities saying, we're people. We can't assimilate into this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, the, the, the conversation continues. So the elder made a host machine, an empty vessel, and copied himself over to it before the phalanx absorbed it. We just confirmed that he was in there somewhere, foreboding it. Foreboding, isn't it, librarian, that they want us and not you? So you're trying to trick them. Uh, no, I don't think there's any tricking them. We just hope we've found a way around the problem. Now to see if they find it acceptable. And that's where they leave the issue. Mm-hmm. They just dick you down with this phalanx stuff. They literally just kind of paint you into this strange corner where. From the way I'm seeing it, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Xavier or a version of Xavier put all of his knowledge, Cerebro, the whole nines, everything, Nimrod, all that, into this um, empty vessel Mm -hmm. that we saw at the earlier part of this whole thing that the phalanx grabs and assimilates into itself. Um Obviously, it works because it changes the whole phalanx size and spectrum and is this ball instead of being a human shape. Um, And it's all in the name of seeing if these human-based entities can make their way in as well. Mm -hmm. But we're still left with the great question. And honestly, at least to my memory, I don't think they actually even solved this yet in the... House of X, Powers of X series, I think they kind of leave the phalanx thing a little bit of a question. Awesome. So that could be something that we are learning about even even further down the road. 
So the end of the issue, we get that cliffhanger. We also get one final dossier sheet like we normally do. It's a quote from Professor X. It says, I'm not afraid of what I've done, but I do fear what it will one day cost. So, you know, that's a little bit more foreboding to finally see. Like, because up until this point, everything that we've seen from Xavier is like, do whatever it costs. We have to do it. We have to accomplish it. You know, um, I don't have time or the resources to afford to be cautious anymore. You know, on and on and on and on. This is a little bit foreboding because now it's saying maybe Xavier has had some time to think about some of the lengths that he went to to accomplish some of the things that they did or that they didn't, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head there because really it's retrospective. And and the dossier sheets are always very interesting because this talking about the cost comes after we just saw him essentially willing to give up everything. He lost Wolverine. He lost Gene. He he lost Scott, for God's sakes. He lost Nightcrawler. I mean, he lost them all. You, we, we just covered it just minutes ago in this podcast. You guys heard us talking about right. it. Right. So he understands that cost. So this is from a perspective of him just like unsure if he's going to be able to, I guess, fork over the dough when the time comes. And we did see that he was able to do that, but it broke him. And I think that you know, leading into the next, uh, the ne- you know, I, I honestly, man, the House of X five is the ultimate game changer of the series, in my opinion. Um, when we get there, we'll be talking about that. But leading into that, you just had, you know, we had this really, really dense issue with House of X four and the ultimate decimation of the uh, the mutants. Then we had uh, the bargaining with Sinister. The I will say Powers 4, if we were to rate it, I think it's maybe one of the less good issues of the series. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I think you would agree with me for sure that it's not necessarily a bad issue. It's just compared to the rest of the series, it's one of the ones that are weaker. And that, that kind of holds it, true because the ones that we have, other than the last cliffhanger we got, um, some of the more convoluted powers issues that are jumping from time frame to time frame and we're back in time and then we're forward in time as far as we possibly can go. Those are the ones that we've rated a little bit lower in comparison. Because the story definitely has some disjointedness and I understand the need to tell the story through flashbacks, flash forwards. You know, we're getting the overall perspective. You know, I feel like maybe... What we might do, and I don't know, this is not anything official, folks, don't hold us to this, but it it might be worth stating that we may need to just do a full reread of these 12 books after we're finished talking about it on the podcast and just go over it one more time with a fine-tooth comb, mm-hmm. you know, and make sure because there's a lot of denseness in all these, it's a lot of storytelling. That's why Powers of X uh, 4 seems disjointed is because you get these three pocket stories yet again three different four three or four five six seven different stories going on with really lots of information packed in a small amount of time right it leaves you kind of fatigued you know honestly Mm -hmm. um but i would give this a seven i think it's a seven me too 
you know, maybe a six five, but it had Mr. Sinister. I loved that character. Um and I really enjoyed the stuff with Cypher. I thought that was a fun little thing. The Phalanx stuff, in my opinion, is a little disjointed, but we'll see where that goes. All right, man. Well, do you have anything else this week, my brother? No, I, I think that uh, that does it. Yeah, and we are nearing, folks. I mean, here in a few short weeks, we're going to be... And you know what's really great, Tyler, is while the House of X stuff was happening, we got behind because we didn't start week one and just like kind of roll with the series. We were already behind when we started our coverage. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get to stay running, but X-Men is only going to be running bi-monthly and sometimes once a month. So soon we'll actually be fully caught up and be reviewing, hopefully, X-Men issues one and two right? Um, in time for issue three to come out. And then we'll be on track. Perfect. Because I think this is a really, really cool story. I'm really enjoying it. I don't have any qualms so far with reading these X-Men stories. Totally. And I think that I I know that you and I had talked a little bit about our next series jumping on to the J.J. Abrams Spider-Man story that he's writing. Or possibly uh, Absolute Carnage. <laughs> or possibly both, because absolutely across the board. Mm-hmm. All the, We need to cover all the things. We're getting back to comics on Journey into Comics. Holy shit. Well, and I think that <clears throat> depending on depending on the series that we're we're covering at the time, you know, we got behind on this this series uh, not intentionally. Um, it's just True. A, a reoccurring, uh, or not necessarily reoccurring, just events that occurred at the at the at the at the right time to to put us behind. Otherwise, it would have been week in week out every week. We would have had one issue, and. Like with with uh, Absolute Carnage, the J.J. Abrams Spider-Man series, you know, you and I had talked about maybe doing the 2014 or 2015 um, the Hulk series because I've got a lot of interest yes. in that. Um, I think that through all of the series going forward, um, you know, other than the the upcoming or just the recently released X-Men series. Uh, everything else will be kind of at our leisure uh, because it's already been out for for a decent while anyway. So we'll be able to do, like, depending on uh, the news for a week, we might be able to touch on some news and then go into the the breakdown of a series or just do a totally news-centric episode. I think once we get this done, it'll basically just be week to week. Yeah, which is really exciting for this Mm -hmm. show. Um, getting back to the the heart and soul of it being that we are journey into comics, getting to talk about comics has been nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also that if anybody's listening to this or whoever is listening to this, wherever you are in the world, you want us to uh, review or read a specific story or series, mm-hmm. suggest it to us. We want to know what you guys want us to cover. That's the important thing too. We're not just you know strictly Marvel nerds. It's just this shit's been really good lately, and I'm really enjoying reading it. So. Well, and, and, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because Doomsday Clock is one that you and Brandon started to do on this show. You've also done The Walking Dead in the past. I would like um, to touch on Doomsday Clock again, especially now that it's it, it's officially done now, right? I think, I think the last issue just came out, yeah. yeah. So especially now that that's done... Um, with the Watchmen series, you know, we, you and I haven't got, had a chance to talk about 
uh, HBO's new The Watchmen show, uh, but I haven't heard great things about it. Um, you know, like I always say with Rotten Tomatoes, definitely take that with a grain of salt, but the critic ratings are very, very high, and the audience score is very, very low. So and it's interesting because I've seen people who are tried and true fans of the comic, mm-hmm. okay, say, listen, this is as close as feeling like the comics as I've seen in media ever, mm-hmm. which is important. Now, it, it then I hope you heard me and not it didn't say this is like exactly the Watchmen comic because that's not it at all. Right. Okay. And that's the thing. It's setting up that universe. What happens in the... Um, you know, uh, the universe that was left by those Watchmen and the fallout from those decisions and how everything changes, you know, and everyone's like, oh, episode one didn't have this, it didn't feature that, there were no this, no that, or, you know, whatever it is they're bitching about. And ultimately, you're like, dude, it's only the first episode of this entire story. You don't know where it's going to go. Right. You, you don't know if they're going to have clever tie-ins. And here we are again where a show is out only one episode in and it's being so harshly judged. Correct. You got to give it time, man. Let it grow. Well, and, and you know, as far as things coming up for sure that we know that we're going to do, um, you know, it goes without saying that in the next couple weeks, you know, we're, we're, we're at the end of October here, folks. We've got basically three short weeks until or a little less than three weeks, actually, um, for Disney Plus and The Mandalorian. So that's that's going to be big here on JIC when, when that show drops. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, and not to mention, Tyler, I mean, uh, talking about moving towards the end of the year here, we're going to be in the holiday season, mm-hmm. boom, boom. And then before you know it, man, January 14th is right around the corner and Journey into Comics turns six. Mm-hmm. I have a kindergartner now? What the shit, man? Right. He was just a wee lad when I started. And now he's a grown boy. Just a baby. He was just a ba- wee baby. A baby. <laughs> I want to eat I want to eat your baby. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Not really. We don't endorse child cannibalism here no, or no, any cannibalism no, as far as I know. Mm. Right, we're not we're not endorsing cannibalism at all, right? Correct. Okay, cool. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There have been times in my life when, you know, a certain someone is looking extra juicy, and I'm like, I just want to take a bite out of your ass, girl. Yeah, some, I mean, sometimes you just gotta take a bite out of that ass. But, but my that's not the same as cannibalism. No, 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 no. Sometimes you just gotta get a taste. Mm. Um, my child just walked into my impromptu studio here. And did like a haka dance, like, like just imagine a Maori warrior just getting pumped up to hit people with like obsidian saw blades and shit. I love it. And said, "Daddy, you need to shush," and then ran away. <laughs> oh wow! So you just got shushed off the podcast by your daughter. Yeah, so I might not survive the night, folks. JIC might have a new co-host. Oh, God, she's here. Hello. Oh, Ruby's here. back on the attack. Can you tell everybody hello? Just say it real quick. Hello. All right. Good job. I'll be in that was minute. great. She did fantastic. I'll be in there in a minute. 
All right, folks. Well, let's get to wrapping since Tyler's getting himself pulled in every which direction. You guys mm-hmm. know the drill. You can always check out the Journey Into Comics podcast on the Journey Into Comics network at journeyintocomics.com. Get us on Apple Music, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify, CastBox, TuneIn, and many others. Just search Journey Into Comics Network. One feed, it's all you need. Uh, check out Poor 360 tomorrow. More shows later this coming week, folks. I think that is going to do it for us. Tyler, is there anything else you want to add before we roll out? Yeah, regardless of what uh, podcasting service that you check our show out or any of our other great shows on the network, drop us a review. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you dislike. Um, if you can't support our Patreon or or us directly, dropping a review helps a lot. So we would appreciate oh, it. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that. And I just want to say that... It's worth extra gold if you give us a review on the iTunes or the uh, Apple Music service. Uh, It just helps to vastly increase our visibility across uh, the world because it is a largely, uh, you know, marketed thing. Uh, Apple Music is everywhere. Uh, So like Tyler said, make sure to give us a review. We really, really appreciate it, folks. I think that's it. Tyler, you got anything else, man? Nope, I'm good. Take us home. All right, folks. Well, for this week's episode of Journey Into Comics, it's Journey Into Comics 267, straight out of Krakoa. I'm Nate. And I'm T.Y. And we will see you folks next week. As always, pop your cerebros off (laughs) and fill your brains with shit. Later, guys.